Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Okay. Well, let me open in, uh, open in prayer, and then we can get to our study today, okay? Father Yahweh, we give you great thanks. Father, we thank you for uh, another wonderful Shabbat we have here, Father. And Father, we recognize it is you and you alone. You're the one who's brought all things into existence. And Father, we come here today to be encouraged and be enlightened with your words, to be empowered with your spirit and to walk these things out, Father. So help us understand uh, your words and the words of your son Yahshua here, Father. And we just give you great thanks, Father, that, that you made sure that these words would come to us. And in the love that we see in the redemption in your son, Father, we thank you so much because it is drawing us closer to you and helping us understand you. We thank you again, Father, that your words became flesh. He dwelt among us and we trust in whom you sent. And that is your son, Yeshua. Amen. All right, guys, uh, the normal, uh, the normal uh, order of things. I'll go through and get us some things uh, for some talking points going. The wireless mic is out there with Paul, so just raise your hand if you have a comment, and it will find its way to you. And I personally ask, please make it on point of what we're talking about. We have to stay on point of what we're talking about, okay? Because uh, we can discuss all kinds of things, and, I, I'm, and I'm guilty too. I understand it's easy. One thing happens, and all of a sudden we're in Jamaica. You know what I mean? It's easy for us to do that. So let's try to keep on point of what we're talking about here um, um, and make it brief as well, too. So we have been looking at the, the verses now, um, the opening verses of uh, in Matthew 23, okay? And, and it's about those who sit in the seat of Moses. And I know we, what, the last two weeks, we kind of went over that, but this plays a part in everything that's really basically in chapter 20 uh, or 23, which I want to point out. So there might be a point where I'll start speeding along um, with some of the verses, but I do have an overall principle that I think we can apply to all those. We don't need to dig into every single accusation that might be here. Okay? So... So we're going to be looking at that. We left, uh, we, I left off last week um, with something spoken by Yeshua that was earlier on in the book of Matthew. And I think it, it's going to, and, and again, this should play a huge part when we're looking at, like I just said, it seems these accusations that Yeshua is making. Okay? So that very important verse is this. And why do you... Okay, you, I emphasize the you. Why do you, is it up? Why do you, the Messianic believer, or any believer in God, in his commandments, okay, uh, look at the splinter in your brother's eye, your other brother, whether Jewish, Christian, or what have you, anyone upholding these words, okay? And, but you don't notice... The issues, that plank that's in your own eye while you're accusing another brother. Okay? Or how is it that you say to your brother, let me remove that splinter out of your eye, brother, because I know better, and see the plank that's not in your own eye. So this can be applied in so many places. But I want to specifically take these concepts, as I mentioned before, because we see Yahshua accusing the uh, Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes. Okay? So let's not jump too much and maybe understand why he's pointing out certain things. Because that may be a splinter or it may be a plank in our eyes and we're not realizing. So it's so easy to get behind Jesus, right? And like, yeah, those darn Pharisees. And at the same time, are we not recognizing maybe he's talking to us in the plank that's in our eye while he is 
um, examining someone else's walk, okay? That's where I want to take this, because I think that's going to be profitable for us in our daily walk with our Messiah. And not alone, not only with our Messiah, but with our God and with our fellow man, okay? Okay, so it goes like this, Matthew 23 again, verse 1. It's like deja vu, right? Okay, then Yeshua spoke to the crowds and his taught ones, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in the seat of Moses. Therefore, whatever they say and do to guard, guard and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and they do not do. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but with their finger they do not wish to move them. Okay, those who sat in, this is just going over, those who sat in the seat of Moses, uh, Moses are in a position to make judgments of matter according to Torah. We went over that, okay? So let's take that forward with us as we continue. I believe there's a, a for me personally, I believe there is a, a difference between the separation between a tr- um, uh, what is written versus what is a tradition. And it seems that Yeshua seems to be looking at some of these traditions. And we also mentioned that not, our, not all traditions are bad, okay? So I think there's a little bit more here what he's trying to bring out. Because we also looked at these heavy burdens, they, they could not be the commandments given at Mount Sinai, okay? And why I say that is because of this. Deuteronomy saying, this is the words of our Father, okay? He's saying, for this commandment, or these commandments that I'm giving you, okay, which I'm commanding you today is not too hard for you, nor is it too far off. So our Father's saying these aren't burdensome. So what's going on here? We looked at it cannot be the Torah. It cannot be the commandments from Mount Sinai. These burdensome things, right? And just to really bring that home a little bit more, for the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart to do with this. Okay? So Yeshua's focus is on, is on one's actions, his, one's personal actions. You notice how it says there, their works. Okay? He's not saying the Torah or the commandments of God are burdensome. No, their works, what they are projecting and putting on others. Okay? So it's not a disregard for the law of Moses. It cannot be that. So we can take that off of the theological shelf, so to speak, and throw it away because now let's go further and see what's going on here. Then it goes on, and they do all their works to be seen by men. And they make wide their tefillin, widen and their lengthen the zitiots of their garments. And they love the best, pla- best, um, best place at feasts and, and the best seats in the congregations. Now, if you notice right over quickly and right away, is there any mandates that are in the Torah that are mentioned here? Or is there anything that is being opposed here? And what I'm saying, Barry? And this might be a trick question for you, let me tell you. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> scripture tells us not to do things for others to see them, but to do them uh, so that, because God sees everything that we do. Mm-hmm. And if we get reward from man, then we've gotten our reward. Um, it says uh, the tzitziot, Mark corrected me on the tzitziot, the tzitziot, they were lengthening them to have them long to be showish, to show off that they were wearing them. And so I've turned mine back. It's like, I don't want to be proud of something that's not God. It's proud of what, what God is, what we do with the, for God. Mm-hmm. And the place of, of peace, there's a scripture in the New Testament that talks about uh, being, uh, if, if you seek the best, you could have someone come over and say, hey, you, this is reserved for somebody else. Go sit in the back. Yeah, so it can but be an you, embarrassment type thing too. But if you are humble and sit in the back, somebody might come to you and say, here, let me give you this better seat. That's excellent because that's exactly what we're going to talk about here. Because that's what I think is the core issue going on here. So 
So there is no mandates uh, here that are being opposed. And, um, and what I'm trying to say here is, like Barry pointed out, the, 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 the prayer bands, widening them, the ZTO, making them long, that has nothing to do with what the commandments of our money had said. But we got to clarify something here, though, too, okay? Is, um, first, before you do that, the, the Torah is meant to guide us, right? These commandments, these are, are meant to, gui to guide us, okay? And teach us right relationships with our fellow man and Elohim, okay? Now, I'm going to take what we just read and kind of what Barry's talking about is really the, I think, the thrust that's going on here. And the part that we need to clarify is, because on one hand, it sounds, or it's been taken, um, understood, well, look, you don't need to do the, uh, the zizyot, you know, because Jesus, Yeshua, is he's kind of saying, he's criticizing the Pharisees for doing that. But it's clear what he's criticizing them for. You know, and a lot of it is the context that I think we all are learning new context and understanding it. So here's a simple uh, example here that actually will bring in what uh, Barry's talking about. The zitzit, uh, the zitzit was a commandment. <laughs> it was a commandment for Israel, okay? And what's so interesting, this is my personal thing. Because it does talk about that, and we'll look at that. Actually, I'll bring it up so you can uh, look at it here. And uh, it's in Numbers. And it shall be uh, to you for a zitzit, and you shall see it, and shall remember the commandments of Yahuwah, and shall do them. And do not search after your own heart and after your own eyes, after which you went whoring, so that you remember and you shall do all my commandments and be set apart unto your Elohim. So it's interesting, if we go by that old, uh, maybe the past theologies that we have, all, you don't have to do the zitziot, I would argue, uh, first of all, just on a, I think, as a reasonable, a reasonable thing, and this might be more my Christian lingo I'm going to try to bring out here, is, you know, it's so cool. We always, we always want to see God, right? We want to see God. Well, I would argue by putting on the zitziot, you're manifesting the very words of your God to the physical eye. No different than how we would view Yeshua or Jesus. He was the words manifested. He was the word made flesh. He was those words that we could actually see. So in some ways, I don't think it's far off. They're looking at, by doing the zitziot, you're manifesting the very words of Elohim. Now it goes a little bit deeper than that. We do see right here, it's also part of being set apart unto your God. Okay, so it's something that you do to be holy is another way that it's worded. Okay, uh, Paul. I hope I'm not getting off track. Uh, one of the things that Matthew says, and you have it bolded up there, is that they do all their works to be seen by men. So all their works, they want it to be recognized for what they're doing. And that's why, whether it's the... Uh, exaggerating the length of the zitziot or whatever it is that they wanted to be seen by men in a certain way. As opposed to when you look at numbers, it's so that we will remember and do the commandments to be set apart. One is an outward expression to be recognized outwardly. The other was an inward expression so that we don't forget what the ways of Yah are. No, I think that's beautiful because that's the whole thing. Another way maybe I could say what Paul just said is it does about the heart, the motive. And you see that here in Numbers even. The commandment is associated with the heart. So not to go after your own heart, your own imaginations, your own things. Okay? And that includes going after other gods as well. Yes, Valerie. 
What you just said right now about it being a heart, about the heart, it reminds me of when God sent Samuel to go look for a king amongst Jesse's sons. And, and then Samuel was like, well, what about these other guys? He's like, no, you're looking at their stature. So God doesn't look at the outside appearance. This is you. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Yeah, exactly. So we can see this principle alive. Now that does, and so looking at that and going, uh, thank you, Valerie, going back and looking at the text now, that doesn't mean that you don't do something. It doesn't mean that you just don't do the the ZTOs, okay? Because I think what gets missed in, um, because ultimately the Torah is meant to guide us and help us, right? So the, the, what's interesting about where this is found, it's right after that they went and, how do I explain it? It's right after a, a huge disregard for the Shabbat. And all of a sudden he says, okay, have my children to remember do this to remember about my commandments. So, and you can go back and read where it's in, in its context, okay? So he makes this amendment, I guess, to, to the very commandments. And then he adds something else to help them along to do these commandments. So ultimately it is a commandment. But here, let me share this with, uh, about the ZTO. This is some interesting thoughts that go along with this that actually do fit into what we're talking about here in Matthew, okay? So the zitzit, it's a, it's a blossom of a tree. That's what that word means and where it's associated, okay? The very word for zitzit is also on the menorah that holds the oil and light, okay? And that tree, that tree of light, you know, that menorah in the tabernacle, the, it blossoms, it has little buds, and then it has flowers, right? And then inside the flowers, that fruit, an almond-shaped bowl that holds the oil, and there's the, fl uh, the flame then, okay? So you see this order of service, so to speak, that's going on here. So keep that in mind. So the zizi, then what we're wearing isn't a bunch of strings hanging, okay? The word being used, so it's a flower. So gentlemen, that you were wearing, you were wearing flowers. Maybe not visually, how we even saw, but it's, it has to do with the function of what that's to do for you, okay? It demands obedience. It demands something from you. So, so with this idea of these flowers that that you're supposed to put on your sides. It's not a visual thing. It, it has to do with the function of what it's to do. So if these are little flowers, okay, what's after a tree blossoms, right? What do you expect to show up? Fruit, very good answer. And that's the whole thing. The zitziots are here to remind us so that we will produce those fruits. And what is the fruit? It's the obedience to those commandments, you know? And that's a very strong idea. Now, I did read somewhere, the, the, I did read in one way that this idea has been lost maybe in Judaism as well at one point, okay, where they're looking maybe right here with, the, with the, the Pharisees. They're lengthening, making beautiful all these flowers so they can be seen by men. But maybe Messiah is, you know, is here saying, that's all great and everything, but you're missing the whole fruit that should be coming out, okay? Because it's about function, not how it looks. Just like uh, Valerie mentioned, it's not how all these great-looking kings, manly, big, buff, or whatever. It was David because it was the function of his heart, how he would interact with his people, how he would obey his God. That makes it, that's what the Father's looking for, okay? Uh, uh, Polly. I like what you're presenting on this because I've looked at these scriptures as... Um, you mentioned do what they say, not as they do, meaning it basically, let's use the example you gave of Shabbat. It basically, it says to guard the Shabbat. There's no 
whole long dissertation of how you're to do that. Mm -hmm. That's found outside in um, other biblical literature. Mm -hmm. So to require someone to do all these additional things, that this is what it needs to look like for you to keep the Shabbat. You cannot pick grapes. You cannot flip a light switch. You know, it goes into all the protocol of this is how it must look when you keep Shabbat according to tradition, okay? He's basically, I see it, the point that you're making is he wants you to keep the Shabbat so that you begin to produce fruit in your life, whatever that's going to look like, so you can continue to reflect the image of God that man was created in. When you keep the Shabbat just to keep a set of do's and don'ts, and that's what keeping Shabbat looks like you, looks like to you that you're just following a rule, a protocol rule that somebody wrote down for you, where is the fruit in that? Because you can follow a list of protocol, but there's been no change in the heart of what keeping Shabbat has produced, the good fruit in your life. That's why all of us keep Shabbat. It probably looks a little bit differently, but is the fruit that is coming forth from us keeping Shabbat, does that look the same? Yes. No, uh, wonderful. Thank you, Polly. And see, I, I think that's uh, important when we're looking at these things because we're one of the, and a lot of times I, I use the terminology, we want to look at these commandments, have a formula, right? Isn't that our Greek way? Have a formula, how we get from here to here. Bam, we got it nailed down. We did it, right? Do you ever try to have that type of formula with a friend, with your wife? Or your husband, a perfect formula. If I do this, honey, then we should be. Well, I've learned it's like, man, it's, it's a flowing type thing in any of our relationships. And ultimately, what's behind all this? It is to have a relationship with our fellow man and our God at the same time. So, and there's no specific way to have that. If there is a formula in some ways, our, our Elohim has given it to us. But within that, part of the formula is have zitziot on you. And make it out of, what, linen? And just have a blue cord. Other than that? Okay, here comes the part. <gasps> How many knots? How long? Okay, only man steps in and starts doing that type of thing. And then all of a sudden... Okay, we've all got together. It's got to be X amount of knots, 12 knots, because it's the 12 tribes, all right? The blue has to be wrapped around X amount of time, so we're going to do that. It has to be a particular color blue, and if you don't get this blue, guess what? You can't be part of the group. Here you go. There's the burden. You see what I'm saying? And that's in, in a, somewhat of a nutshell some of the things that I see are happening here. Valerie. Um, to kind of add to what Polly was saying about how, about Shabbat, about how it's the fruit and how it's supposed to produce fruit. I don't remember exactly where it is in the Gospels, but Yeshua said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And I think that kind of applies to the entire law. He, he gave us the law to give us life. He gave mm -hmm. us law so we can, so he, he says, this day, choose life or death. So I implore you, choose life. And that's what following the law is, whether it's keeping the Sabbath, whether it's doing the Zitzit, whatever it is that he's commanded, it's not for us to do like the Pharisees said, oh, you've got to do it this some particular way, A, B, C, D. It's like, no, it's for us to have life for, because it's through him that we have life. No, so, exactly. And it's through his law that we have life. And that's what it's for. So, uh, thank you. Yeah. So, to me, when it says, you know, to make these... It's to help you guard to stay on track. So you can say, well, I don't need them because I'll remember. Well, <laughs> humanity has a very poor way of remembering very much, okay? So again, I, I see in that that it's a very important commandment and that's why I do them. And, and it does, it reminds me. But we have to stay within the boundaries of what that commandment is. Okay, because we personally can easy take it out of and make it into something else other than what it's meant to be. And I, I believe you can probably do that with any of the commandments. You know, you, you, you really can. So 
But about this idea about the, it being a flower and then the expectation of fruit, um, here's where it even gets deeper that I would suggest, okay? Um, this reinforces to me the found, um, fundamental understanding that we read in the book of Genesis. And you're like, how do I get there? Well, this is how I see it. When he said, have like kind produced like kind, it was a rule. It's a law that will not change. So if that fruit tree in the beginning, because the way I see how the text reads, there was oranges there on the tree, and an orange will only produce an orange tree. The seed of an orange will only produce the seed of an orange tree. Now, yes, you've got genetics, and they're messing with everything. But the basic principle was there. So if we go back and we look at these flowers or the zitziot, they're there for us to what? Produce the same seed, that fruit, okay? That same idea is right there. So you must take in the law that was before, and that means like kind produces like kind. So that means the fruit that we produce should have the seed, the Word of God, right? Should have His commandments, that's His seeds, His words, and produce that. So our, what we do that fruit that we do in obedience better match up to the same principle that we see that we got from Genesis. And that can only be his commandments. So he still, again, brings it back in to those guidelines for us. And it can only be that way. So if that fruit, even that seed, that concept, if we are his children, if you consider yourself a children of the Most High, all right, because he did make you, but he wants you to be a child, no, just not, you know. So that means you, as a woman or as a man, should produce the same things as your fathers asked you because you're made in the likeness of Elohim. So go produce like kind. That's what he expects from us. And we can only get that from his commandments. Paul. Yeah, that touches a little bit on the, uh, uh, the Parsha today about uh, Adam having... A child after, oh, I his, about that. Yes. after his own image. So he, here's where it comes in because if we're, there's, there's an expression in the world that you are what you eat. And so if we're eating from the Torah, which is called a tree of life, then we would have life giving fruit. And that would be evident by what comes out. Do you have to try to make it show up? Like, you know, I'm trying to force this tree to have fruit, so I'm going to put up plastic apples and stuff like that and say, oh, wow, see, it's a fruit-bearing tree. Or does it happen naturally if you're feeding on that? I, I tend to believe that if you're feeding on the Word, then, like the Scripture says, that His Word will not return to Him without results. There will be fruit. So. Excellent. Thank you, Paul. So this idea right here, the zitziot, is a command. He's not doing away, uh, he's not saying don't make them. Jesus, Yeshua, is not saying that, okay? It, so we have to understand why it's being used here. And then we have to uh, focus ultimately on the purpose, again, like I pointed out, that I think is important. And that function in that, that it boils down to that physical obedience is what the zitziot demands, not how long it is. You can have long ones, but if you're doing that so that you look better and the purpose isn't, because some people have them tucked in, okay? I see that, I saw this happen, okay? We have a, a, a Orthodox friend of ours, all right? Some messianic came up to him and said, oh, I don't see that you're wearing your zitziot. And he pulled them out. He had them tucked in. He was going by the visual. He was wearing them. All right? So it doesn't mean that you can't tuck them in to remind you. It doesn't mean how you wear them. It's if it's doing what it is set out to do. But we can't be one that steps in. Like I said, this gentleman came in thinking he's more righteous, possibly, and saying, well, where's your zitziot? You know? So we got to be careful about that. Yes. No. Okay. So 
So it's really how, it's not really how you make them, it's really how you're going to have them and respond to his commandments. Barry. Two, two comments, even, even though I just came right back and I did catch. Um, making a statement about somebody else not wearing them would be wrong because it's back to Yeshua's with the uh, splinter in the eye and the, and the, and the, the mountain thing, the, what do you call it, trunk of the tree in your eye. So, but right here, it, it definitely says for us, it definitely says you shall see it to see it, the only way I can, I can figure to see it is if I wear it out. Mm -hmm. and, and, and see, that's fine, you know? And I don't see any problem with people tucking them in or what do they have to do. And then there are some people who can't wear them because of where their, uh, their work, you know, because of what they're doing. It could be getting stuck in. I even had this one gentleman that we met. He, he has real short ones. But where he works or whatever he does, it, he can't afford it getting stuck in any kind of machinery because that's not going to produce life, right? <laughs> you know? So, so it's how we're looking at them and how, to, how we apply these commandments that I think is what really Yeshua is getting here. Now, we talked about the seed of Moses. Like I said, we have to bring this, that concept through and the difference between uh, the seed of Moses which I would see the written versus some of these traditions. And again, not traditions are not bad. But Barry, you actually brought out one of the key words that I want to focus on. And I, last week, of all things, I should have known better with this, but I was... I overlooked a very important thing that was here. And it was over and over again. It said the seed of Moses. We went back and we looked at the seed of Moses. We looked at Moses did that. But I forgot. Remember what Moses is known for? Go ahead. You can just yell it out. Yes. Something more. And even more. Something even, even important more than all those things. What's that? Yes. 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 We looked at that how he was brought before the... But I thought this was uh, interesting. It was this. It's hidden in the seat of Moses that I overlooked. And, and the man Moses is very humble. More than any man who was there. And he spoke to him face to face. Ultimately, I guess what I gathered from that, looking at the seat of Moses, and I, I we're kind of running out of time. We might not get to all of it. But behind this idea of seed of Moses, what is written? Did we not pick out already? Moses is known for his humility. And I would say humility comes along with those commandments. Because we, how the address, I forget. Walk, what does he ask of you? To walk humbly before your God. You know? And what we looked at, a lot of this was what these Pharisees, how I, how they were doing it, how we do it. I'm going to change that. How we say you got to do this, how we, 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 right? It's so self-centered, you know? So we got to be on guard about that, okay? So it's being humble, being meek. The seed of Moses is associated also with this idea, salvation, when I looked at this word being used, salvation, as you go, the meek one shall inherit the earth. Oh, there's some mighty powerful words and concepts that are associated with this idea of being humble. And we already see the connection with Moses being humble. And then he was given this job to judge Israel or to look at the Torah and how to apply this in one's life, okay? Because we're all in different places, okay? Because sometimes, um, and we have, us as a community, we have to be aware of that. All of us, brothers and sisters, everyone's in different places. Now, I might be doing some things that I'm walking out in my life that I would suggest to you why I do them and what help, okay? But no way is that to be some kind of weight that you have to do that. Because you, you may have to work out some other things in your life to get to that point to where, 
Oh, yes, I see that now that I need to do this, that, you know, in that manner. So, but what else is I saw associated with this idea of humble and how it's, and, and what I mean by that, where you'll see the word humble is used and then there's concepts that are going along with it. Like I said, salvation, inheritance is associated also with this idea of humble. And, ask, and one of the places I looked at a possible escape from his wrath. Not guaranteed, just because you believe, but possibly. Okay? <laughs> All right? So I don't want to... Um, and that's, a, you know, from his, the Lord's anger. And it had to do with obedience to the commandments was one of the ones I saw over and over again. This meekness, how it's associated with the obedience. Um, now, it's interesting um, because interesting then when I was looking at... Uh, uh, the the verb part of this word, um, and this we'll kind of see this a little bit. But the verb part of this, uh, the word for humble, it's also it. I'll read this. Exodus twenty two uh, two says this. It's, and the word humble and afflicted, depending on its use in our our language, you'd have to see in the context how it's being used. Oh, I can see the humbleness or being brought down low. Okay, so um, a lot of times this verb word is used for afflict. When we do our fast, uh, afflict your being, all right, humble yourself before the Father, right? So how do we do that? We're going to not eat. We're going to humble our flesh. We're going to bring it into submission with our minds, okay? But going back to the, this association here, because we'll see this in what Messiah talks about here. So this Hebrew word here, um, the verb Exodus 22.2 says this, and you shall not afflict or humble any widow or fatherless child. Hmm. And how, see how that's associated. And why that can be a big rabbit trail, but we'll see Yeshua talks about them <laughs> overlooking the widow and the, child, the childless, so the orphan, okay? But it's interesting because what we're going to see here, what I'm going to show you, what I believe is happening, Messiah is focusing on the Pharisees and the, and the scribes here because of their arrogance, because of their lack of humility because he agreed with some of their traditions. Yeshua walked out some of the same traditions, didn't have an issue with. But there's others that he did. But in these, I think, is that arrogance. No humility is what I believe Messiah is trying to point out here in this whole chapter 23. And I believe I can show it to you. We'll probably get to most of it next week and show you the end result of what Messiah that sums up this whole thing and how the seed of Moses did fit in that, why he began there. Um, Wanda, sorry. If you wanted the address for that scripture you were talking about, it's Micah 6, 8. Okay. Can I read it? Sure, please. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Mm, awesome. So you can see even the prophets refer back to Moses. They didn't have to say Moses was most humble. It was said at once already. But the idea of Moses being the lawgiver, like Barry said, and uh, other people associated with the commandments, judging these people with humility. So I see anyone that's in a position of reading, you know, um, any person in a position of, uh, of judging, okay? But let's narrow it down. Dealing with the scriptures and judging right or wrong, we have to be humble. And that just doesn't go for leadership here. That goes for you guys as well. And when you're evaluating things, uh, you know, the situations that come before you, I know they come before you because you exist, okay? <laughs> you can't get around it, Paul. Uh, Kathy. Um, I'm glad we're talking about this about humble because it brings me back to what I've been saying over and over that all I see here is light and love and we really truly are brothers and sisters and I don't know how many times that you've stepped in to say something to David or 
like we all kind of keep each other in check where it's not condemning it's just us acting yes. in love for each other and that's very humbling i think is i've never had this in my life before except for from family and sometimes it gets overwhelming when you're in it all by yourself and it's nice when somebody steps in and says how about you do this or how about you try this way or whatever so i think this is a really good topic for me right now is to be humble and that we all work together to help each other that's awesome thank you sister so let's kind of get back on track here we got a little bit more time uh, that well maybe not a whole lot but maybe we can cover this part so it continues on in matthew 23 along with what we we're talking about and they do all their works to be seen by men and they make their tefillim wide um, and their zitziotes of their garments, and they love the best places in the feast, the best seats in the house, right? And, the, uh, and they also love the greetings they get in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi, all right? But you do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Messiah, and, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your Father who is in the heavens. Neither be called leaders, for one is your leader, the Messiah. But the greatest among you shall be your, shall, shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Now, it, this calls for context here. Okay? We can make a, st uh, a, a statement out of what we just, uh, just looked and be out of context with it. So we can't say, you know what, don't call any rabbi your rabbi because that's what the New Testament says. But that's not actually what Yeshua is saying here. Because when we take it back into the context of all what he's talking about, and he kind of sums some of it up here. He starts summing it up here and then he'll continue again and then sums it up again at the end of this chapter. So this whole idea, remember why I thought this idea of Moses is very important, how he began there and then he starts on these guys. Okay, they want to be called rabbi. They want the best places. So it has nothing to do with saying don't call someone your rabbi, just a blank statement out of what's being said, okay? Basically, I'm going to go away from my notes so we can finish this part. But basically what he's saying here, he's looking at his, uh, his apostles. Because remember, that's who was present here. It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees towards the end here, okay? And they may have gone off, but it's the crowds, the crowd that's there that gathered after this showdown, so to speak, maybe, the crowds and his apostles. And he's basically, he's, I'm going to sum it up my way. He turns to his apostles and says, don't be like that. Okay? Don't search to make sure that you become a rabbi. Don't make it your goal to be above your brother or your sister. Because it began with Moses. Remember Moses? He was humble. Be like Moses. Moses took my commandments and he did them. He worked them out and he showed others how to do it. Okay? So if you're looking to be a rabbi or a teacher or a leader or any of these other positions above somebody else, what's your motive? Okay? What's your motive? And most of the time, if your motive is, yeah, I want that position or I should need that position, I should be in that position, it might be wrong, okay? There might not be enough humility there for you to do that job correctly. And that's what I'm saying Messiah is pointing out there. He's not saying don't call someone a teacher, your teacher or your rabbi or a leader. We all have leaders and you can look through the rest of the New Testament and see how they are, uh, even Paul uses this idea of, I fathered you, okay? It's, it's when you take it out of its context, and then you'll, what will happen is you'll do that. You're like, well, call no one your rabbi, okay? And I've, I've 
I've read some things online. There are uh, accusations. They are accusing some teachers that are respect. And they shared some of what they came across in a loving way to show you how they were wrong. Because someone had said, you know what? You were called rabbi, and that's against what Jesus says. And he had to go through and say, you know what? You're not really looking at the context of how it's being used. You know, the title isn't the issue. It's the motivation of someone that wants that title. That becomes the problem. And that's what Messiah is telling his followers here. You know what? You're, don't worry about that. Your biggest goal here should be serving your brothers. You're all brothers and sisters. Serve each other. All right? Now, it doesn't mean as that happens, there won't become leaders or teachers or the full, that what, fivefold ministry? So is Yeshua against this whole fivefold ministry because no one should be teachers? No. He's saying the process of how you obtain that, that's the key to me. Yes. Yeah, I seem to remember it being said and written the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Exactly. It's that same concept. Thank you. So that, to me, is the emphasis of what I believe is Messiah is talking about here. So we can't take some of these things out of, con out of the context of where they're at, because then we're going to be actually, <laughs> what happens when you do that? You become actually a Pharisee quite quick. Okay? Against what you think, you know, that you are against, you become. Barry. Not mentioning names, but, I've, but someone told me quite a bit of the history of how this place, how, how our congregation came to be. And, it, and that was a great thing for me to hear because it makes me very proud. When I call... Mark Rabbi, he doesn't ask to be called Rabbi. He serves humbly. Mm -hmm. You serve humbly. But I'm, but I'm, but there's, I like calling him Rabbi. And there's nothing I, wrong with that. Uh, you know? and, I, and I don't, and yeah, I do not see a problem. I don't see the scripture saying I can't do that. I, I see it as what you're saying. It's a thing of the heart. And it I is. know where his heart is. And so I'm glad to sit here. That's, that's my that's I'm awesome. Sorry. That's what I wanted to say. We'll get you, Kathy, and then we'll have to finish up for next week. That's funny, Barry, that you said that because I was talking to, like, family and friends about coming here. And I asked Mark, I'm like, what do I call you? Like, what's your title or what should I tell my family and friends? And he said, Mark. <laughs> he said, just say Mark. And I'm mm -hmm. like, oh. <laughs> Awesome. So let me, um, let me uh, we have to finish up here. So let me finish up with this thought. So what we see here with the rabbi, the leader, father even, okay? Um, there's a lot of other concepts that I read how this idea of father was being used, okay? And again, you have to go back and see what was happening um, that Yeshua was speaking against that. So to sum it up real quick, my father's right over here. And I call him father. I call him dad. The scripture's not saying that I don't call my dad my dad. Okay? But how that they were using it or how it came to by, uh, in, in the sense they had people who were uh, disciples or whatever that would come in and follow that rabbi. And all of a sudden, what mom and dad said no longer applied. The, the, the priest or the rabbi became the dad in the ultimate authority. That's wrong. Okay? That, that was wrong. That's what's being spoken here. So that's my father, if you didn't know. And I, I don't call him father very often, mainly just dad. But you get the concept. So, and that is not a sin, <laughs> by the way. So, but I will tell you this, that Elohim's... Um, Elohim's teachings is the source of all authority. Okay? That's what Yeshua was trying to get at here. You guys, be, you know, be servants to one another. Because you guess what? Authority doesn't come from me or Mark. All authority comes from him. 
and however he sets it down in the order that he's put it down. We have people out there in our government that we maybe don't care about very much. But in some ways, there's this structure of, order, of authority that the, the father's placed over there, placed it that way. Usually due to cause our inadequacies against his commandments. But anyhow, so all, so the authority, uh, he is also our father, fatherhood that comes from above, that's him. We can set ourselves, uh, we can't set ourselves as the ultimate authority. And that is what has happened with a lot of religious things where you have the rabbi, the priest, or, or whatever. They become the ultimate authority on God's word. This is the way it is and this is what you must do. Okay, so no. So there's a lot more here. So let me finish up there. Let me close in prayer and then... Keep that in your head for next week, okay? Because this all goes in this, um, this all plays together in this, uh, this big conversation or this big teaching and direction that Yeshua is doing with his, the crowds that are there and his apostles, okay? So Father Yahweh, we give you great thanks, Father. We thank you for your love and your mercy. We thank you for your provision and your directions that you've given our lives. Father, we ask for the empowerment of your spirit. We ask for the wisdom that comes from you so that we can learn these things, walk these things out in our lives because you are the ultimate authority. You have set down your commandments. And Father, help us to understand them so we, we can walk before you and all mankind, Father, with the righteousness you you have given us on how to do that. We thank you again. Amen. Shabbat shalom to all of you. Thank you for your time. Those online will be back in about 20, 25 minutes. So keep all this in mind for next week in Matthew, those concepts, and then we'll kind of review real quick. And then we'll hopefully I'm thinking we could get right to the end of the chapter, sum it up and get to the next chapter. Okay.